Father, we thank you that by your grace and crucifying your Son, you have lavished upon us your goodness and your mercy at Calvary. So now as we approach your word, Father, what we do not know, we ask that you would teach us. What we do not have, you would give us. And what we are not, you will make us by your spirit through your word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Would y'all welcome Philip with me this morning? Good morning. How y'all doing? My name is Philip Ward. It is awesome to be here with y'all this morning. Uh, we go to Hope Fellowship, like my brother said, and uh, we're just glad to be here. Pastor Chad asked me to come and uh, deliver the word, the word this morning, so I'm glad to be here. Everybody's been so nice to me and my wife and my family. Got a couple people from our church here, too, that came to support me, I guess, so I appreciate y'all coming, too. Um, my wife is back there. Mel, wave your hand. <laughs> hey, so this time last week, I was on vacation in Cancun, Mexico. Ooh, don't cheer too, too fast. Don't cheer too fast. <laughs> it was my wife's 30th birthday. And she got Montezuma's Revenge. Now, if you don't know what that is, don't Google it. Do not Google it, okay? Just say the word Dirty 30 took on a whole new meaning for her, okay? She was back and forth. She, pr she probably didn't know I was going to go this in depth. <laughs> she was back and forth from the toilet to the, to the bed for all her 30th birthday until the time we left. And me, I have a bad habit of being annoying and asking really like deep questions at the wrong times. And so I looked at her, she sprawled out in the bed, and I said, hey, hey Mel, what's your joy in this? And she, her face turned from like an annoying like, Philip, why would you ask me that right now? To like, she started thinking about it and she started listing off all these things. Well, I'm glad that I have an air conditioned room that I can use the toilet in. I'm glad if I get up from my bed, I can see the ocean from my window. And that joy was like, wow, she really thought about that joy. And it, it kind of spread, spread to me as well. But it's hard for us, right, to think about joy in the midst of a suffering and pain. It's really hard for us to do that. But scripture, scripture talks about us being called both to suffer and to pain and us being called to have joy. And a lot of times... At the same time, 2 Corinthians 6.10 says this, Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, yet we have everything. So a question I was thinking about is, can you have joy without knowing pain? And some old school lyrics came to my mind. I want to share them with y'all. They go like this. Over and over, you can be sure. There will be sorrow, but you will endure. Where there's a flower, there's the sun and the rain. Oh, but it's wonderful. They're both one and the same. Joy and pain are like sunshine and rain. Now, those are lyrics from the great theologians of funk, Frankie Beverly and Mace. <laughs> great song if you never heard it. So I started thinking about joy is sunshine, right? And pain is rain. And if it hasn't rained in a while, when we finally get rain, what do we say? But we don't think about pain like that, do we? Oh, we sure needed it. But just like joy and pain, sunshine and rain, they all work together. 
to form something beautiful. Joy and pain work together to make us more like Christ. So pain serves and deepens our joy. So what we're going to talk about today is the fruit of spirit of joy. But it's, it's hard to fully grasp the concept of joy without us knowing pain. So if you were born, which is 100% of us, <laughs> you know pain. We come out of the womb crying. Pain is a universal human experience. But lucky for us, we have a high priest who is able to empathize with our weaknesses. You see, our king, Jesus Christ, is also our king. Jesus Christ is both fully God and fully man. So the Father, the Son, and the Spirit from eternity's past knew the fullness of joy. But when Jesus, the Son, took on flesh, he learned what it meant to suffer as we suffer. And it's God's desire for all of us to know that joy of Jesus, the, of Jesus, the fullness of joy. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, the, the joy of Jesus. So where we are is Galatians 5.22, but don't flip there because we're going to camp out in John 16. So if you have your Bibles, flip to John 16, uh, verses 16 through 24. John 16, verses 16 through 24. Let me flip to there. And I'm in the uh, ESV version, the ESV, if you if you uh, need to follow along. And so in this passage, Jesus uses the word joy or rejoice six times in these nine verses. So this is a passage that's concentrated with joy. The word joy or rejoice appears over 130 times in the New Testament. So the Bible has a lot to say about joy. So the question is, if we serve a God of joy, if our word talks about joy so much, why is it that a lot of times we as believers appear to be so joyless? Jesus, in this passage, he's going to give us three ideas that I think can help us grow our fruit of the spirit, help us grow in joy. And they're this, and I'll repeat these later again. Joy is often birthed from pain. Joy for the believer is permanent. And joy for the believer is complete. Uh, I'm going to pray and then we'll hop into the text. Lord, would you help us to uh, understand what it means to have the fullness of joy? Would you give us the joy of Jesus? Would you help that fruit of the Spirit grow in us? Um, God, would you illuminate this text? Show us things that we haven't seen before and bless us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So John 16, starting at verse 16, says this, A little while, and you will see me no longer. This is Jesus talking. And again a little while, and you will see me. So some of the disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me. And again a little while, and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father. So the disciples are confused. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, Is this what you're asking yourselves? What I meant by saying, a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will 
will turn into joy. When a woman is given birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Amen? So our first idea is joy is often birthed from pain. So Jesus lets his disciples know in a little bit before this that he's about to be gone. And he's sending the Holy Spirit to dwell in them. So the disciples are confused about this. What we know from our vantage point, but what they don't know is... In this passage, Jesus is just hours away from being arrested, crucified, and buried. The disciples don't know that. So that's what he means, in a little while you won't see me. Then what he means, a little while again and you will see me, he's talking about his resurrection. He's coming back. So put yourselves in the shoes of the disciples. They don't know what's going on. These people have left their their way of living to follow this man for years, and then all of a sudden... Jesus is like, hey, I'm out. That's scary. That's hurtful. If you've ever lost someone in your life that was close to you, you know what it feels like for someone to say, I'm out of your life now. So the disciples, this is bringing a lot of fear on them. And Jesus lets them know that the pain that they're going to suffer from him leaving is like a woman giving birth. After the woman gives birth, There's joy because a baby has been born. And let's not forget the context in which Jesus is saying this. There are no epidurals. There's no modern equipment. This is a lot of pain. Giving birth very well could die. So Jesus is talking about something serious here. Serious, serious pain. Now, I've never had a baby, thankfully. (laughs) But I've seen my wife give birth. And that looked like a lot of pain, okay? But Jesus is right. Once our son was born, there was joy. It overcame us. So our pain turns into joy. Psalm 35 says this, Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. So what we are to do is to look past our present pain and grab on to future joy. Pull it back in. And so maybe you're here and you're thinking, Man, you don't know me. You don't know the pain that I go through. I don't even know if I even want to be here in this life anymore. And you're right. I don't know the pain that you're going through. And it would be unfair for me to put that on you. But Jesus does. One of the most short and most impactful sentences of all scripture is found in John 11. John 11.35 is two words. Sometimes you say them for your blessing for food. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Now, Jesus wept because his friend Lazarus had died. Jesus wept because he saw the pain of the people as they wept over their friend. But I want to speculate here. This is me talking. This is not. I want to speculate. I also think that Jesus might have been weeping with joy. You want to know why? 
Because Jesus knew something that no one else knew. That he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. Right? So Jesus had this mixed bag of emotions. And on the one hand, he knew the current reality of pain. And on the other hand, he knew the future reality of joy when he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. But that's what Jesus has for us as well. We don't know when we're going through pain what joy lies ahead for us. The disciples don't know that God is about to flip the darkest day in history when Christ is crucified and turn it into the greatest joy in history. They don't know that. Hebrews 12, 2 says this. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Pay attention. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorned in his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So what's that saying? It's saying that Jesus knew the pain that he was going to suffer on the cross taking on the wrath of God, having his hands and feet nailed to the cross, and yet he counted it as joy. Why? Because Jesus was looking forward to future joy. And if you're here and you think to yourself, I don't know if I even have any future joy. I can't see any joy in my future. There will be a day where we will all have the complete fullness of joy. There will be no more tears, no more crying. And what you need to do is hold on to that promise. Reflect on it. Grab it. Pull it back in when you're going through your present pain. Because that promise is there. Even when we can't see it, that promise is there. Now, when it's raining outside and it's dark and it's stormy and the clouds are above, where's the sun? Where's the sun? Behind the clouds, it's there. The sun is permanent. It's not going anywhere. The sun is right there, even behind the clouds. So just like the sun is a permanent fixture in the sky, so should our joy be. Our second idea is this. Joy for the believer is permanent. Joy for the believer is permanent. Now, look at verse 22. In verse 22, it says that uh, Jesus says that the disciples, uh, when they see him again, they will rejoice. They will rejoice and no one, no one will be able to rob them of that joy. Why? Let's look at it. Because our joy is rooted in the resurrection victory of Christ. Amen? Our joy is rooted in the resurrection victory of Christ. And you can no more erase that than you could trying to drop a bucket of rainwater on the sun. It ain't happening. You can't put it out. That joy's not going away. So, because the fact of the resurrection isn't going anywhere, our joy doesn't go anywhere. So when you think you can't produce any fruit, any fruit of joy, we are to remember that our joy is permanent and it's rooted in Christ's resurrection victory. Jesus is alive. Amen? That's our joy, that Jesus is alive. And what's kind of wild about joy in Scripture is it's not really like an option. We kind of think of it like an option, like, oh, I could be joyful today, sad tomorrow, it's all good. 
Joy is not an option for the believer. Philippians 4.4 4 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. Again, I say rejoice. That's like a double light. Rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. That's how I feel like Paul said it. <laughs> then 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice always. Those are just two. Remember I said there's over 130 mentions of rejoice or joy in Scripture. So I have to just kind of narrow it down. Those are just two. What this means is joy and pain aren't really in competition with one another. They complement one another. Sam Storm says this, Joy is not necessarily the absence of suffering. It is the presence of God. I love that. So even when we're going through pain, joy is still present because God is still present. And the Spirit of God dwells in us. And our God is a God of joy. Amen? Amen. And the craving for joy is deeply embedded in all of us. We all want to experience joy. You could argue that our entire existence is based on us trying to reach a state of joy. The things we do, the stuff we buy, the places we go, the things we try, are all us trying to reach this joy. And I spent a lot of my life trying to find that joy. You see, I was, uh, for a big part of my young adult life, I was in the music industry. I was a DJ, and I managed hip-hop artists. And so what I, what I wanted was joy. And so I chased after it in all the wrong things. You see, I was lucky to have some success in the music industry. One of my artists had a song that took off across the nation. It went big, it went platinum. That means over one million singles sold and I'm in the midst of all of it. And I'm chasing these things, trying to grab this joy in sex, in drugs, in alcohol, in partying, in fame, notoriety, all these things, and they all left me empty. Every single one of them was never enough. It was never enough. But the secret is this. Nothing other in a relationship with Christ will ever, ever bring you the fullness of joy. That's the secret. So our third idea is this. Joy for the believer is complete. Joy for the believer is complete. There's nothing lacking like the hollow, empty joys of the world. Because there is a little joy there, but it's not complete. And it's going to be gone in an instant. See, in verses 23 and 24, let's look at that. Jesus introduces a completely new dynamic to the disciples. He says, In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. And until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So Jesus is saying, after my resurrection, you won't need to ask me anything. Now, because of Jesus' death and resurrection, you have direct access to God the Father. Right? 
We have direct access to God the Father now. There's no need for a high priest to make sacrifices. Jesus is our high priest. So now we have access to God the Father. Jesus is like our lawyer. The Bible says Jesus is our advocate. So Jesus goes to the Father on our behalf as we make these requests. So when we pray in Jesus' name, we are reminding ourselves that it is only through Christ's righteousness that we are allowed to go to the Father. We are reminding ourselves and praying to God, the Father, on behalf of Jesus the Son as the mediator. Under his authority, we pray. So you might start thinking, well, Lord, would you give me a million dollars right now in Jesus' name? Amen. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. Saying in the name of Jesus is not a magic formula to get what you want. Because the older you get, and this is what I found out, the older you get, you realize a lot of times what I want ain't what I need. Right? The great country theologian Garth Brooks said, (laughs) I thank God for unanswered prayers. But they're really not unanswered, are they? God was just like, nope, not letting you have it. But when we see our prayers answered, our joy is complete. Why? Because we know that what we prayed was in accordance with the will of God. So we are living in God's will. We're praying in God's will. And when we see our prayers become answered, our joy gets full because we're like, oh my gosh, I was praying and then this happened and God answered it. I knew what I prayed was exactly what God wanted and it brings us joy. Let's look at uh, John 15. John chapter 15, uh, verses 7 through 11. John 15, 7 through 11. Now, this is just right before all of this. So this all kind of fits together. Jesus says this, if you abide in me, that means like if you trust in me, if you rest in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, remember that he's not talking like the genie on Aladdin. That's not what this is, especially for the kids. If you've seen that, that's not how it works. You don't get three wishes. By this, my father is glorified. That you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy, Jesus' joy, may be in you. And that your joy may be full. So true joy comes from being faithful to follow God. That's where true joy comes from. We become filled with the same joy that Jesus had because we have Jesus' spirit. Imagine the joy that Jesus had. Obviously, it was a lot of joy because the disciples here, he's telling the disciples, you can have the same joy that I have. And so the disciples are probably like, yeah, I want some of that. I want that joy of Jesus. And you know, when people see us, they should recognize the joy of Jesus in us. And if not, something's off. Because we have the same joy of Jesus. Jesus has given that joy to us through the Holy Spirit. 
Now, I used to watch The Simpsons growing up. That used to be one of my favorite shows. My mama didn't want me to watch it. She's back there. Sorry, mama. I was watching it. She used to be like, PC. They call me PC. PC, turn off Bart. <laughs> she called it Bart. <laughs> she like, turn off Bart. But I used to watch The Simpsons. And Homer Simpson, the main character of the show, had this neighbor, Ned Flanders. Now, if you watch The Simpsons, you know who I'm talking about. Ned Flanders was a Christian, and he had like this ridiculous amount of joy, and it drove Homer Simpson crazy. Why? Because every time that Homer encountered Ned Flanders, he realized something was off in his own life. He realized, I don't have joy like that, and it aggravated him. It annoyed him. Now, Flanders, he's a over-exaggerated, extreme version of a cartoon character version of a Christian. But it's true that when the fruit of the Spirit in your life starts to grow, especially joy, it may not go over well with some people. Because as your joy grows, they'll be encountered and face the fact and the reality that something is off in my life. And I don't like that. But it's our job to introduce people to joy. That's our job. We got one job. Go make disciples. Introduce people to joy. And joy isn't just an emotion or for the spirit. Joy is a person. Joy is Jesus. So I'm going to challenge you this week to talk to two people. Two people. That's not a lot. Talk to two people. Two strangers. Let's, let's up the ante. Talk to two strangers. Start a conversation and tell them where your joy is. Tell them about Jesus. People are starving for joy. Don't you see it? All around us, turn on the news, get on social media, and see the anger all around us. People want joy. Give it to them. And maybe you're here and you're realizing, I don't have that kind of joy. I'm sitting here and I'm realizing this joy that Jesus is talking about I don't I don't have that in my life I was in the same exact place as you not too long ago you want to know where I found joy in the same place that Jesus is telling the disciples in the resurrection in the resurrection that Jesus Christ has died in my place, in your place, in our place for our sins, we can be forgiven. That he resurrected to give us eternal life in him. So in Jesus, our, our sins are forgiven in Christ. We are free in Christ. We have the fullness of joy in Christ. It's already ours. It's there. And friends, if you're here and you've never made the decision to trust in Christ for your life, to call him Lord, to grab that fullness of joy, make today that day. I want you to be bold today and say, you know what? I'm empty. I'm empty just like he said he was empty. And make that decision. Tell somebody, be bold and tell somebody, I want the fullness of joy. Can you show me how to get there? And let them share in full what it means to follow Christ. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Lord, fill 
every single person in here with your spirit. I pray that no one would leave out of this room today without knowing you deeper, fuller, knowing what it means to have joy, knowing that joy is permanent and complete for those who have trusted in Christ for their life. Lord, I pray that everyone here would be disciples and make disciples, that this church would grow, that this church would multiply. God, would you help the elders here, help them be the shepherds that you called them to be. Lord, would you best bless Pastor Chad as he's off. May he touch lives where, where he is. Lord, I pray for joy to be known in this community. Help us to start it right here and right now. Help us to touch those who need to know you. In Jesus' name, amen.